Hey, Claire. Hey, Blythe. Want to talk about sexy books? Yeah, I do. Awesome. <laughs> when you need a sexy escape from a world that's gone insane, erotic fiction with romantic addiction, we've got some wrecks if you care to listen. We all have an inch to scratch between our mind and thighs. So all right well do you have anything you want to open this podcast with um well i guess we kind of we already talked about this but i did just want to shout out that menstrual melody tea medley yes menstrual medley tea from euphoric herbals euphoric herbals i'll put in the show notes and Um, This is definitely not medical advice or anything, and everybody should, you know, do their own research and talk to their own doctors and shit, but um, I've just been, like, having very shitty, irregular periods and bleeding through the holidays, just from, like, stress and stuff, I think, and it's been very helpful in, like, cutting the bleeding back, I so... I just thought I would shout it out if anybody else has these tragic issues. <laughs> yeah. I really like their um, womb wellness. Um, I don't, I could not tell you any effects of it. For me, there might not be any effects, but I just like the flavor of it. It's like a nice grassy, like herbaly flavor. And notably, it's just like really fresh. Like, mm-hmm. it's not the tiniest, like, sawdust, Man, dry yeah. tea bags. It's, like, the full herb. Yeah. Sometimes I get herbal tea, and it's very old and shitty looking. This is definitely, mm-hmm. like, very fresh. And I just definitely have seen actual, like, tangible results from it. So Awesome. I think I've talked about it before, but... Yeah, yeah. that raspberry leaf, right? Because doctors are, American doctors won't ever prescribe, like, They're not helpful for things like this, in my experience. Like, I'm pretty sure that most of my problems are related to estrogen overload, which is, like, a very common problem with women these days. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that they prescribe for that is more birth control, which doesn't solve the problem. So, like, if you want to get to the actual root of the problem, you know. Yeah. They've been pretty useless to me. (laughs) Well, appreciate you sharing this, even though in the spirit of American litigiousness, we're not saying that it'll, it's medical (laughs) advice. But it worked for Claire, and it is fresh. That we can say. <laughs> we can say that it is fresh for sure. <laughs> it's all we can say with certainty. Yeah. Also, it's a woman-run business, which I think is cool. Mm-hmm. That's they've dope. got a lot of interesting stuff on their site. All right. Well, should we jump into the book? I would love to. Um, so today we're going to discuss Out of Sync by Vanessa North 
who we've talked about before on here. I think um, it was episode eight that we talked about her other book, Roller Girl. Mm-hmm. Is that the only book of hers we've discussed? I think so, but probably not the only one we've read. Yeah, this book actually is a sequel to her first book in this Rose and Thorns series. Um, And the first book is actually a lesbian romance. Um, So I bought that because we're like always looking for good lesbian romances. And we liked her other book, Roller Girl. So definitely. I definitely am excited to read that. It's kind of funny. That's the first book in the series, but I never noticed it before. And so when this book came out. I haven't had an experience yet where we needed to read the prequel. It's usually just like us, like they set up the characters, but it's, I've, all of the books we've read have been standalone and you don't really have to read them in order, but it's a little fun because then you can like get to know the character a little bit. Yeah, especially because, like, so many of these, like, most of these series have a very, like, found family aspect to it. So, like, you get to check in on a bunch of characters if you read all the books in the series. But you can really read them at, like, any order, I think, most of the time. Yeah, but Serena Bowen has a lot like this, and Elle Mm -hmm. Kennedy has a lot. It's a good strategy. Mm Mm-hmm. I really like the found families. They're so heartwarming. It's like as heartwarming as the romance aspect. That's why I really wanted to do this book, actually, because it is a good romance. There's some very good sex scenes, but I think it really was um, a really nice story. And the found family part was the, like, crux of it for me. Like, that's what made it such a nice read and to see everybody coming together to support each other um all coming from families that or you know blood families that weren't really supportive or at least the parents weren't so um that's what really drew me into this book the most awesome um i'll read the description i guess great (laughs) um Jax Williams is Richie Ford's one great love. Their life as the rhythm section of the band Vertical Smile is perfect, only upstaged by the one they share as lovers. Until one night, when Jax locks himself in the bathroom and slices his arms open, shattering everything Richie knows. Ten years earlier, Jackson Williams III appeared to leave a charmed life. In reality, it was hell. Trapped in an abusive home, Jax acted out small rebellions and dreamed of freedom until Richie Ford rescued him like a puppy and everything changed. He would be perfect for Richie. It was the least he could do. Months after Jax attempted suicide, the two men struggled to navigate their formerly perfect relationship. After 10 years of loving their idealized versions of each other, can they make a life together out of the truth? Yeah. Man, I always feel like I should read these descriptions beforehand because I always read them really badly. <laughs> I don't think so. I think you do a great job, Claire. Well, thank you. <laughs> I do feel like this description, especially because you told me about this book a while ago, and I it took me a while to read because I just 
wasn't sure I wanted to carry the emotional baggage of a attempted suicide. And you helped me through that of like, it's not really, it's really more about after the fact. And it really is like the suicide itself is not even a scene in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't even really like explore Jack's like really intimate, complex reasons for for why he hit that moment. Um, like yeah. you understand he was depressed and he's talking to therapists about it and stuff. But you, it really like the after part is really all about Richie, his lover, and coming to terms with it and and being actually still a supportive partner and growing after it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really, if that description scares you away, hopefully this can reel it back in a little bit because it's not like you're going to have to deal with that scene specifically or any like flashbacks to it. There's not like a lot of, obviously there's trauma around it, but you really don't dig into like like, that day. Yeah, there's not any big climactic like gory scene or anything like that. It's just like mostly talked about after and like long, like a while after. Yeah. To the point where like, like you can tell I mean, the first half of the book is about their relationship when they first meet as teenagers, Mm -hmm. and you get to know a lot about Jax in Mm -hmm. that half. Like, um, you find out all about his life and all the reasons he might just, you know, have depression and everything like that. Yeah. Um, And then the second half is 10 years later after the suicide attempt and it is like way more focused on Richie and how he reacts to everything mm-hmm. which I think was really great because I don't think we often acknowledge like how hard it is to be the partner of the person who went through something horrible and like yeah. how like, he's, he basically has, like, his own PTSD that he needs to work through, and he doesn't even mm-hmm. realize it because he thinks he just needs to be there for Jax, and then everything mm-hmm. will be better, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really liked that, and also how Jax isn't really the victim here. Like, in many ways, Jax has a stronger sense of self um Mm -hmm. like he is really able to seek help but he's also really able to communicate that this isn't working right now and not like it is partially because of the suicide attempt but he's able to say that and he's able to say like articulate why it's a problem now like why he feels like they can't be together right now because Richie just kind of can't move on from it he can't separate or like like move forward and he's like and jack's sorry mm -hmm. but yeah he's so like he's trying to be so supportive that he's basically like suffocating jacks a little bit and he like yeah feels like neither of them can move on because richie's just always looking at him like he thinks he's about to try to kill himself again Exactly, exactly. And all he wants is to go back in time, but it's impossible to go back in time. And so I'm like, throughout this book, 
Oh, throughout this book, I am so proud of Jax at basically every step of the way. Mm-hmm. I mean, just to like backtrack, we meet him when he's 16 and he's like going to, he's already finished his first year at Princeton. His dad oh is yeah. abusive and controlling. I um, forgot that he was a 16 year old at Princeton too. Like yeah. his parents are very overbearing and like pushy. Right. Especially his dad. I feel like his mom's kind of checked out. I think his mom is kind of just absent. Yeah. And he meets um, Richie, who at the time is part of the Glitter Gorillas, which is a band with all (laughs) sorts of badass uh, ladies. And he's like a little bit over. He's like just turned 18. So there's a little bit of a, an age difference here, but there's an instant attraction moment. Oh, it's but like the best, like, yeah, meet cute, sort of, but like meet hot. Yeah, <laughs> totally. They're like, and also because Richie is so thoughtful about it, he's like, wait, I can't just like immediately have sex with this kid. But they do. <laughs> they. They're, like, waiting for the bathroom in line, and they, like, start talking, and they end up kissing, and it's, like, crazy hot, but then he finds out that Jax is only 16, which he did not know. Exactly. Exactly. But he invites him to, like, another show, and then they, like, stay at a hotel together, but it's, like, They just stay up all night talking. Yeah. So it's very sweet. They have, like, a very strong connection. Very strong instant connection. And then um, Jax's dad takes his phone away, which he's like does all the time, basically. And I think Richie, like, at some point comes over to his house just to see what's going on. Like, he Mm -hmm. got the phone back, but then he immediately got to take it away again. And when Richie gets there, like, like Jax has a black eye from his dad and he basically just scoops up Jax and, and takes him away. He also has been cutting himself. Yes. Like, yes. Um just on and off for a long time and like when Richie yeah. comes over he had just like cut his leg and like it's yeah. bleeding a lot and Richie like notices that. And yeah. yeah, so Richie just like scoops him up and takes him out of the house. It's very romantic, but sad. <laughs> yeah. But then we, this is when we introduce to the, like, rest of the family. So it's, like, the rest of this band, kind of, which is Nat, Drea, and Terry. And then Nat's, um, they take him to Nat's uncle's house. And his name is Xavier. And he's basically just been, like, being a home for kids who are kicked out of their house because I think Nat maybe was kicked out of her house, but this is her uncle. Yeah, I think um, so. And then they work at this place called Thorns uh, Lady Social Club, but yeah. they like have clearly done all of this before. Like they're like, is there an Amber Alert out? Um, let's get you IDs. Let's sue your parents for legal emancipation. Let's get you a phone. And um, so it's like he's really taken care of here mm-hmm. um which was just like so beautiful to see it was I know. really a highlight of this book was was seeing this community just like in action mm-hmm. and they're just like completely open and giving and just like 
Yeah, it's just beautiful because you can tell he's never felt that like acceptance before in his yeah. life. And now he has like this entire little unit. Yeah. And then there's this really poignant moment where he's suing his parents for emancipation and he has like his friends with him at the hearing and thinks that they're going to like like really fight to keep him. And then they don't even show up like they just let him go, which was devastating like the devastation that you can like I don't know I could just really feel that like you already hate these people and somehow they're able to like disappoint the knife in even farther yeah (laughs) I know it was horrible really horrible um but he gets a job at the thorns he's like a busboy there's like a moment where Richie's like, but you were at Princeton and you were going to be a doctor. And and Jax is like, I don't want to be a doctor. I want to be a busboy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like, this I is what I'd rather do. at the sight of blood, first of all. Yeah. And I totally. also really liked he, um, like, when he starts working at that Thorns place with Natalie, um he gets like a nose piercing I think and they tell him that he has to take it out or he can't work there anymore yeah and I just like loved this part because he just fucking quits (laughs) very respectfully but he's like he's like I didn't leave like my father's oppressive house to take up a job where I'm like my the way I look is being policed again like I just want it like there are other bars in the city where I can look the way that I want to look so like this job just isn't worth it to me yeah which I really got and I feel like so many people would criticize him for that and not understand it but there's also another part earlier where he shaves his head into a mohawk and yeah. puts on eyeliner and he's like this yeah. is the most me I've ever felt in my life. Yeah. And it's like the most liberating thing and I don't think people understand like if you're hiding a part of yourself for a really long time, you can't just go back, you know? Mhm. I that's one of those moments where I'm like I'm so proud of Jax. I'm so proud of him for not feeling like he owes everybody Mm-hmm. like himself still and I'm so proud of everybody in the book for being really respectful of that like yes. Rich is really respectful the Matt person is really respectful mm-hmm. and she's like the, even like do you want me to tell the boss or are you, can yeah. you do it <laughs> and he's like I'll do it and then he tells the boss and the boss is really respectful like she doesn't fight him on it she doesn't like try to guilt trip him or anything so it was th- really beautiful moment yeah yeah loved that so then for his um 18th birthday um terry one of the band members who's also a tattoo artist yes um also loved i loved that and she um offered to give him tattoos because he wanted tattoos like immediately to cover up his cutting scars Mm -hmm. and so she made like all these cool vines with like freedom and like words on the tattoos which seems like the best 18th birthday gift ever i know (laughs) that would be so fucking amazing yeah and i really liked that part too where he just talks about like enjoying the process of being tattooed and like i don't know 
I really related to it. Like you, like the pain is, I don't know, you feel very like accomplished afterwards and it feels just like, it can feel kind of even like good as it's happening. I completely agree. I just got a new tattoo like a week and a half ago. So dope. Yes. And when the, the artist was asking me like how my experience has been in the past and I was just like, I, all of my memories are that I like it. Like I acknowledge that it's pain, but I also really enjoy it. Yeah. Um, And I felt that way this time too. It's like you, I don't want it to end. Mm hmm. I mean, honestly, the only tattoo that, like, really, really hurt me was the big one on my back. Yeah. I feel like all the other ones, it just becomes, like, a very weird but kind of pleasant feeling. Yeah. (laughs) I can imagine. I I don't have any tattoos that are, like, really colored in at all. Um, So I can imagine it being more painful if you're, like, going over the same spot. That definitely was the worst part for me. Yeah. When it was, like, shading over, like, near my spine. Yep. That's the only, like, really hard time I've ever had with a tattoo was, like, just the tiniest amount where she was, like, shading in the hair just right on my spine. I was like, this is the most painful four minutes of my life. But... (laughs) Other than that, it was, I've, I've exclusively enjoyed it. It's very addictive. Yeah. Because once you realize it doesn't hurt that much. Yeah. Just want more and more. <laughs> and it's so meditative, I feel. Yeah. Yeah. There's just, I, there, I think it, like, the science piece is, like, adrenaline or some other mm-hmm. hormone yeah, or something like, getting shot through you. After I got my back tattoo, that was the longest tattoo I had, and that, was like very meditative and when I got up after like several hours I felt high yeah very high (laughs) that's so crazy because that was like one of your first tattoos (laughs) yeah it was my second tattoo and my first one was way tinier yeah (laughs) you're like all right I've practiced it's gonna be fine now I'm gonna do like a quarter of my back (laughs) yeah and it was fine totally (laughs) So anyway, he gets these tattoos. (laughs) Our digression on loving tattoos. We really like tattoos. (laughs) But he also moves in with Richie. They like get their own apartment. And Richie had been living with Terry the whole time. He had been like on her couch for years. Yeah. At least two years, more than two years, because he was there when he met um, Jax. So, and that is the first time they have sex. Oh like, my God. And all the way. <laughs> I love it. I love it because it's like kind of a slow burn, and they talk about like how they make out in the hallway all the time, or like yeah. when nobody's around, but like they never get to finish because there's never enough time. So, like, when and they people finally. People are like teasing them. They're like, don't splooge on my bed or on my jeans. And they're never splooging. They're never splooging anywhere. So then they finally get their own apartment with their own couch bed. Yeah. And they have, like, really great hot sex. Yeah. Ugh, so good. And you do get a couple good scenes of their hot sex. Ooh, yeah. I think you get some really good scenes. I think I even yeah. wrote down, like, some of my favorite parts. 
Yeah. Do you want me to just read a part from that sex scene? Sure. Yeah. Okay. He says, he let me take his whole weight, driving his body against me dick first. I groaned into his mouth as he started rocking his hips and squirming against me. He knew me now, knew that the feeling of him thrusting, the lewd movements of his body were as much of a turn on as as his lips on my throat or his hands in my hair. There was nothing as sexy in the world as the way Richie wanted this with me. That's hot. (laughs) Heck yeah. Heck yeah. And just them having so much chemistry and Richie, like, really not wanting to take advantage of Jax when he's vulnerable. So that was, like, a big part for a while. Mm -hmm. Like, it was just a real slow burn, but with, like, all of this amazing chemistry and then all of this, like, love that's being shared, um... Mm-hmm. Even, like, really early on, like, the all of these acts of love that are not sex acts was And it is so, abundant. like, kind and right of Richie to do that. Because, like, to let Jax yeah. have his space a little bit and, like, figure himself out as he's basically getting kicked out of his house and, like, starting a new life without his parents and everything, like... I think if he were in a romantic relationship, as soon as he moved out, he would probably never feel completely secure if that relationship yeah. ended. Yeah. So I just exactly. think that was very responsible of Richie. <laughs> totally. And um, respectful and and thoughtful of of where Jax is and not just like his own uh-huh. desires which I'm sure were burning and I mean desires. especially because Jax's obviously yes. were too so like yes. you have to double say no to yourself yeah. and to him <laughs> totally totally so I feel like that's basically oh the last thing that happens before we cut back to like the present is that Drea the drummer of Glitter Gorillas ends up having to move away to St. Paul, I think. I don't know. I, I don't know where they right. even are. <laughs> I don't know where they are from the start, but I'm pretty sure. I didn't write that down, but it just, I feel like it's St. Paul. It sounds so she, Thanks. So she kind of just like it has to leave, right? Like pretty suddenly because mm-hmm. of her dad. So they don't have a drummer anymore. And then Jax um, sort of volunteers, I guess, to be a drummer. He's a little insecure about it at first. Mm -hmm. But then he becomes great. And then they have, like, a new act that is super sexy because they, like, grind all over each other. I guess they change up a lot. I don't remember exactly what glitter gorillas like what the exact situation was but nat starts to be the singer so i think she joins the band and she's like everyone nat is such a like fun character in general where everyone's like she's just like the hottest androgynous person like sometimes she looks like a really hot dude she's just like magnetic yeah and she has a southern accent Oh, I didn't even realize that. But she's like grungy. She wears like like torn up wife beaters and stuff on stage. Mm-hmm. And then they have like a really sexy song. And then I think Jax and 
Terry, maybe someone else like grinds all over her in the middle of the song. And then like all of their shows turn into like borderline orgies. So it's a really sexy. (laughs) Yeah. And then they call themselves Vertical Smile. Which is dope. (laughs) Yeah. And that's where I think it ends for the like. First part. um, First part. Yeah. And then we come back to like the it's definitely like weeks after the suicide attempt. Yeah. yeah. Um but just one thing in that first in the first half that I wanted yeah. to mention about Natalie or Nat yeah. was um there's just this one part where like Jax has a conversation with Richie. Oh, where he finds out that Richie is bisexual cuz he thought that Richie was gay. Yeah. And he's kind of like thrown by that. Not yeah. that he's like upset, he just didn't know. Yeah. And um, they start just, like, talking about attraction in general. And he's like, I mean, Jax is like, sometimes I think Nat is hot. And that's, like, yeah. kind of confusing to me. <laughs> and Richie's just like, attraction is weird. Like, Hell yeah. Nat is hot. Why wouldn't you be attracted to her? Like, you don't need to be. It's not an existential crisis or anything. She's just a hot person, and that's mm-hmm. fine. You don't have to, like, question your identity. He's like, why do you think you like a skinny rocker dude like me and not, like, a cute jock from your high school or something, yeah. you know? He's just like, attraction is weird, and, yeah. I don't know. I just liked that conversation. Me too. Also, there's good bi representation here in general, because I think Nat is also bi. And I think Jax is surprised by both. Yeah, He's I like, can't oh, you went out with a dude? to be honest. I don't remember about Nat, but yeah, he's definitely like thrown by the fact that Richie is bisexual. Maybe it isn't Nat, but all of the ladies that we've mentioned here are either lesbians or bi. Yeah. And I think one of them is by and and Jax was like, wait, your date was with a guy? Yeah. She's like, yeah. It might have been that. <laughs> I just can't I think remember. It was. But um yeah, that was really dope too, because honestly I feel like we don't see a ton of bisexual characters, even in like a lot of the queer romance that I've read. <sighs> yeah. And I really feel like in an alternate universe slash in this maybe hopefully new world where we talk about the fact of bisexuality more probably way more people are bisexual than are willing to like entertain that i i honestly like low-key feel like i don't know 90 percent of people are probably bisexual (laughs) (laughs) i don't want to like sit i don't want to like be too confident about that but it just really feels true to me it really feels true (laughs) to me i mean i definitely consider myself bisexual but that is something that i didn't even like consider as a possibility until like a few years ago same i just think it's more about like if we gave people the language to talk about that stuff more they -hmm. would realize it applies to them more often right (laughs) Because I think it's really easy to default to like, well, I have a sexual attraction to the opposite sex, 
So I'm just going to lean into that because that means like I'm normal. Well, or yeah, like society wants you to be that. Basically, they set it up for that to be the path of least resistance, you know? Mm-hmm. Exactly. But if you had the option, if you knew that you could, that there wasn't a normal and that your attraction could go in any direction at any time, then probably people would like even recognize some of their responses to people as a, like more of their responses to people as attraction. Like now when I look back, I'm like, there were a few women who really stood out to me growing up who but I didn't like think of it as an attraction or maybe I would have even said like I have a girl crush on her but not Mm -hmm. in a way that like felt sincere at the time but now that I think about it I'm like oh I I just had a regular crush on her (laughs) I think honestly it can be so confusing because like as a woman I look up to other women that like presumably I want to be like you know or like that I think are cool or pretty or whatever so like I think a lot of times when I actually did have crushes I just labeled it as looking up to that person yeah you know because it just didn't even seem like a possibility to me and like I never had heard of the concept of like fluid sexuality and like your sexuality can change or expand as you like get older and stuff so I think that like as a kid I immediately had attraction to boys and that was like reinforced by everybody I knew so Mm -hmm. that was just like I just don't think I even considered other options (laughs) exactly exactly and I feel like I associated other options with like some sort of pain like I knew someone who identified as bisexual and what that meant to me was that they like felt pain over the fact that they were attracted to someone who wasn't the opposite sex and that's how they knew because there was like an acuteness to it mm-hmm. and I didn't feel that where I, I wasn't like pining right. for someone maybe pain is a dramatic word but like I wasn't pining for someone I just didn't like attribute it in the way that I would today mm-hmm. yeah and yeah. I mean definitely like when we were growing up there was so much more anti-gay everything than there even is now and there's plenty still <laughs> I mean I always say that like my when I was in high school I went to high school six years before my sister And I knew one person who was bisexual but was, like, closeted about it and told me. And I knew one person who is openly gay who was a year younger than me. And nobody else was out at all. And then six years later, when my sister was in school, she was dating a trans boy. And I was like, whoa, that's and just I like I probably didn't even really amazing. know anything about trans people in high school. Yeah, <laughs> totally. You know, 21 Jump Street, the one with Jonah Hill and Channing, Channing Tatum, Tatum. They, that really resonated for me, <laughs> where it was like the, the 
Do you remember that? Like in the, they like go back to high school and suddenly, like if you call, oh, like, everything is like gay opposite. and like you can't call people gay and stuff. And I was like, it's that's like exactly all the nerdy kids are the cool kids now. Yeah, but it was like a very short period of time yeah. where all of that changed, which is amazing. Like mm-hmm. it's the reason to have hope that like things, things can change, like <laughs> climate change and things like attitudes can change actually really fast. So. Um, yeah, a miracle. But anyway, goodbye representation in this. And it's not exactly a segue, but I also, before we go into the present moment, want to do a shout out to Addie, who is um, Jax's best friend, who was really awesome like she comes to the concert with him she's like really worried about him and like and she's, she's like basically always checking in on him when his dad takes his phone away and stuff like yeah. she's always really worried about him and she helps him get like a lot of his clothes back mm-hmm. because she tells his parents that she left stuff in his room and then just like took everything that she could possibly carry yeah. um so that he could have some clothes uh, and then they like kind of lose touch because she goes. She goes to college the and like she realizes that she's gay too. Yeah, and she just has like super dope time at college, is what I gathered. <laughs> totally, totally. Okay, I feel like that's all I have to say about the first half of the book. Yeah, me too. Cool. Well, so then the second half. Um, so I feel like the first half is like really, really focused on Jax and his backstory. And I feel like the second half is really focused on Richie and how he's like handling what has happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and the piece that I picked out to read is is from this where I think it's like a really good illustration. Um, so I'm going to read that. Why are you being like this? Jack finally snaps at me. They were only trying to encourage you. Maybe I don't want to be encouraged. I don't want to do solo shit. I don't want to try new things or make a new style of music or change who I am. Nobody wants you to change who you are, Richie. We're family. We love you. Well, seems like you all have a weird way of showing it. What with the encouraging me to branch out and do things that aren't for the smile. The smile is only one part of our lives, babe. Why shouldn't you have more? Nat and Terry do. We have jobs too, I point out. They aren't better than us because they're (sighs) self-employed. He sighs. I'm not talking about jobs. I'm talking about lives bigger than the band. Terry's got an art show coming up in a gallery in Williamsburg. Bex is acting as her agent now. Did you even know about it? I shake my head, stunned. I've known Terry since middle school. I never knew she was making new art. When did she tell you that? Yesterday. She wasn't sure how you would take it, though. She's thinking of inviting Farah. I scoff. Right, like that's going to happen. She's been obsessed with that girl for ten years and can barely talk to her. After I... He pauses, then brazens through. After I tried to kill myself, she decided life was too fucking uncertain to play games. So she's asking out the girl. And so she made the art. And Richie, it's really good. I'm sure it is, but for some reason, I don't want to know about it or hear about it. So is her tattooing. Maybe she wants to do more than tattoos. Maybe she wants to make art that will live longer than the person she's etching it into. What about the band? I'm practically shouting. What about it? We're all solid. We have our regular Thursday gig. 
We've booked more and more Saturdays lately. Bex is talking about a tour this summer and she can probably make it happen. We don't have to stop doing this because we also have other things in our lives. We almost lost it, Jax. We almost lost you. But you didn't, Richie, and you're the only one who doesn't seem to realize it. He speeds up, putting several feet between us before I even have a chance to register what he said. Does he really think I don't realize he's still with me? Does he really think I don't wake up every day thankful he's still in my arms? I speed up after him, finally catching up on the train platform. I'm sorry, I say, taking his hand and bringing it up to my lips. I never meant to make you feel as though I wasn't thankful you were still here. He rolls his eyes. That's not even the problem, Rich. I've talked to my therapist. Nat has talked to her therapist. Terry poured her entire heart into her art. The only one who isn't moving on is you. You're stuck and it's killing me. I've broken you and I hate myself for it. I'm not broken, I plead with him. The last thing I want is for you to hate yourself. I'm moving on. Wasn't it nice the other night when we, you know, yeah, you fucking me was nice. It was so nice. I'd like to do it again sometime if you didn't make me feel like you were afraid I'd off myself while you were getting a towel for the wet spot. My jaw drops. I never meant to make you... Do you hear yourself, Richie? You're a broken record about what you never meant. If your actions keep having an impact that isn't what you meant, then maybe, just maybe, you should think about why that is. Um, so shortly after that, um, that passage, Jax leaves Richie Mm -hmm. because he just can't, like, take it anymore. He goes and stays with Nat for a minute, um, and then he ends up going, he, like, rekindles his friendship with Addie, and then he goes to California for, like, three weeks. Mm -hmm. Which is, like, very sad and, like, very, very painful for Richie, but maybe the only way that they could get to that point because it was just like they clearly reached ahead where like something needed to change yeah and it's richie richie needs to change because he's the one who hasn't gone to therapy or like dealt with any of his issues yet Jax has been going to therapy and dealing with his issues and i think right he's like very close to being pretty well healed but Mm -hmm. like the last piece of it is richie because richie can't let him move on yeah and I feel like Richie one of the biggest things is like Richie is really beating himself up over the fact that he didn't notice that Mm -hmm. Jax was having issues and Jax is trying to explain like I felt so guilty about being depressed because of how much everybody has given me and how much I have to be grateful for that I hid that from you because I didn't want to show you that because I felt selfish about being depressed. And I think that's the, like, how can they move forward if Jax feels like being depressed is going to like kill Richie. Yeah. That's impossible because you can't cure your depression forever. Like you can maintain it, but the way to be safe is to be able to vocalize like I'm going through a thing now and I need help. And you can't do that if the person is like really in their own head about it. Like if they really feel like this is all about them and about, and it's their fault that they're not noticing things like that's not, gonna be a healthy space for Jax ultimately or Richie it's that's so, so again so super true. proud of Jax yeah, yeah that's just so completely true it's like 
in trying to be supportive of Jax, he actually is putting so much pressure on Jax to not to just be okay and not actually yeah. reveal his real feelings. And that's just, you can't have a relationship like that. You can't, each person needs to be able to like handle themselves, even if the other person is depressed. Yeah. And this is alluded to in the passage, but like Richie starts writing a song, like he's got the song that's like brewing inside of him, which he'd been having trouble like even writing anything because he's just too in his head about all of this. And then this song, he's like, this is just not right for everyone. And everyone was trying to encourage him to like do solo work. And he was like really frustrated and kind of lashed out about it. And like that also, as this passage talks about, like alludes to him not being able to grow on his own. Like mm-hmm. Terry is out doing art that's not just tattooing. And like everybody's trying to like grow and become a you know, a person, you know, we're all growing all the time. And Richie is really stuck. Very codependent with Jax. Yep, exactly. And yeah. And he doesn't want change at all. Yeah. He's just like fully stuck. Yeah. So it's amazing that Jax, I just think he's so brave in all of these moments, like so brave and so, um, clear-headed I think I mean I know just very like wise beyond his years sometimes totally um so he leaves Richie's really mad he doesn't know what's gonna happen with them um luckily Drea comes back and Mm -hmm. drums with them so the band doesn't like doesn't have to go on hold really um yeah it's not ruined and Jax is coming back. Like, it doesn't feel like Jax has just, like, abandoned everyone forever. And he's very clear that he's sad about it and, like, they say that wants too. to maintain like, a relationship. Richie says at some point, I think to Terry, he's like, Jax left me. And she's like, he yeah. didn't leave you. Like, yeah, he's taking some space, basically. Exactly. But, like, he will come back. Exactly. Exactly. And everybody knows he's going to come back. Yeah. But I also totally understand Richie's upsetness. Totally. (laughs) I mean, if you're afraid of change and you're codependent, that's like the worst thing that can happen. (laughs) But he, so right before Jax left, or maybe Jax had already left, but he didn't know yet, he got a new job. So he like quit his day job and decided to be a bartender at the Bridgeview where they perform their shows on Thursday. So that was like a change that he has. And then he starts going to therapy, which is which huge. Is really, yeah, Nat, like, Nat is the one who sits him down and is like, I want you to do this for me. Yeah. I know somebody you can talk to. Like, I'll set you up. Which actually I was thinking about when I had to go to therapy. My friend, like, found the place for me. And gave me, like, she found, like, multiple places for me. Yeah. And that was just, like, the most helpful thing in the world because those are the steps that I wouldn't have been able to take myself even though I knew I needed it, you know? Yeah. So good for Nat. She's, I I love all of these characters. And they are just, like, very well-adjusted people. (laughs) Yeah. 
And to just double down on this, like when you're going through shit, it's just really hard, especially if it's depression, which can like just no, not even especially because anxiety can do this to you, too, where it's just really overwhelming. And you're like, I don't want to have like a new relationship. It's like a lot of effort to find someone and then to find someone that you can actually talk to and then to give them all of the backstory and everything. Uh, yeah, the same friend really supported me in <laughs> getting therapy too. So um, yeah, shout out to everyone. I mean, now I would say that I used BetterHelp more recently and that was the best. Um, oh, good. That was the easiest because then you don't even have to leave your house and they do not support this podcast or anything. But <laughs> it was also really easy to switch therapists like, I realized one wasn't really a good match. And then I didn't have to like go in and like have a tough conversation and then start all over. Ugh, it was like, seriously, that I'm just going to switch. One of the shitty parts is like, because the place that I went to is because my health insurance, like many people's, does not cover any mental health yeah. shit. <laughs> um, so I went to like a low cost, like counseling place nearby. And that mm-hmm. was the shitty part was like when I felt like I had outgrown my therapist, there wasn't really mm-hmm. anything for me to do because they wouldn't put me with somebody else. Because it's not like, you know, there are people in training. So like, yeah, they're all at different levels, I guess, and stuff. And they just try to keep put you with somebody who they think will be a good match. But yeah. if you don't like them, it's really awkward. <laughs> Yeah, BetterHelp is, I think they do have um, support if you need financial support. Don't quote me on that, but I didn't need it. And so I did, it was $260 a month for like four or like weekly video sessions and then like as much chatting as I wanted to do in between which I thought was pretty affordable. Like my insurance had mental health stuff, but the appointments were literally three months apart. So it was ridiculous, useless. And they were still like 50 minute appointments. And basically the person was just like proving to me that they remembered me. It was the worst. I was so frustrated. I was like this, how could this possibly help? So (laughs) ridiculous. I mean, yeah. yeah, the place near me has a sliding scale for pay based on, like, your income and stuff. So that was good. It definitely wasn't yeah. – I mean, for me, it wasn't very expensive. But I think for a lot of people, it would still be completely inaccessible. Yeah. So that sucks. <laughs> 260 is not nothing. And I stopped doing therapy when I felt like I didn't need it anymore because that is still a lot of money. Yeah. But <laughs> at least I have a contact if I need – somebody in a pinch now (laughs) I would love to still be going to therapy but just like I don't feel like I need it enough to justify the cost which I think is so stupid honestly yeah Yeah. because you can do the best work when you're not like in crisis yeah (laughs) (laughs) but who cares well anyway hopefully our audience can afford therapy especially if they really really need it but I feel like we all sort of need it I know. I mean, if you do need it, just know that there are options out there that are cheaper. Yeah. You just need to really search for them. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah. I wish I had better advice than to like say, have a friend who will do it for you. I know. Be (laughs) that friend who does it for someone else. And then maybe they'll do it for you when you need it. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, back to the book. He goes to, Richie goes to some therapy. And it is great for him, of course. Yes, that works for him. I think sort of even better, and one of my favorite parts of the book, is then he also adopts a dog. Yes. And this dog, whose name is Brittany, after (laughs) Ms. Spears herself, is like like a mother dog who's also really well trained. And every part of the description of this dog was like, I would actually have a... I I don't have a dog right now, but if I was going to get a dog, this is the dog that I would want. Yeah, she was a really dope dog, and I really love that her name was Brittany. I love that. So that was another change. And then during... At work, they have, like, an open mic night on... So they usually, with their band, perform on Thursdays, but there's an open mic on Tuesdays. And so he meets this girl who's, like, hesitant. Sarah is her name. And she's hesitant to do open mic. And she's, like, a harpist. Like, an electric harpist, maybe? Yeah. Either way, it sounds awesome. Something like that. And Richie is very, like, into her neat music. Yeah. Very, like, right away. Yeah. I'm not even sure if he's seen her music. He's just into, like, the concept concept, of it. yeah. (laughs) Which I am, too. It sounds amazing. Yeah. So then they, he, like, asks her out on a date. Um, Another, like, move forward for him. Mm -hmm. Though it doesn't really work out. Well, and, like, to his credit, like, he doesn't know. I guess we don't know Jax is coming back. Like, Jax hasn't said he's coming back. We just all know he will. Right. But technically, they haven't, like, communicated very much during this time. Right. And Richie's really mad. He is And, really like, mad. yeah, doesn't know if, like, does he even want Jax back if he's just, like, gone and up and left? Like, there's one spoiler, part, yes, he does, but still. Yeah, of course. <laughs> there's this one part that I liked where Jax texts him while they're on their break, and he says, like, how did the gig go or something? Yeah. And Jax, or Richie reads it, and he's, like, he feels really compelled to, like, leave the text message on red just out of spite. Yeah. But then he's, like, well, spite was never part of our relationship before, and it shouldn't be yeah. now. And I just really liked that, because even when he's yeah. so pissed at Jax, he's, like, I'm not going to be a dick. <laughs> yeah. Which, even if he was, I wouldn't be that upset, because... I wouldn't either. I mean, honestly, I don't think I would have responded to that text. Yeah, I'd be like, fuck you, it was terrible. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You fucked us all. Yeah. And not in the fun way. (laughs) Um, But he doesn't do that, yeah. No, he's very, he's a very nice guy. Yeah. Um, But anyway, they... um, They sort of, I guess Jax comes back, and it's a little ambiguous what's going to happen, but he comes back and he wants to join the band again, and awesomely, he's like, he wants to join, but he wants to do keyboards instead of drums, so Drea can stay in the band, Mm -hmm. so that's really cool, Um, and then... Richie's therapist says that they should do some 
therapy together. Which was also really good because he's like, we need to have strategies for when this stuff happens again. Like, you can't keep everything inside. We need strategies, like, for you to tell me you're going through this, and I need strategies to handle it. (laughs) Yeah. And it just sort of, I think the last piece before they, like, do get back together is that Jax's dad dies, and then he becomes a millionaire, which is how we know that this is a book. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty dope. I was, like, pretty excited to find out that his dad died. Totally. (laughs) And then they're going to do, like... And at first, Jax... Oh, go ahead. First, Jax is like, I don't want that money. And then they're like, wait a second. Yeah. Are you sure? And he's like, I guess I'm not sure. Think of all this shit that you can do with that money for good. Mm -hmm. And I think they do. I forget exactly what they do with the money, but... (sighs) Me too. I feel like they they definitely buy, like, a van so that they can do a world tour. Mm Mm-hmm. And they have a good therapy strategy for the tour. Uh-huh. Um, and I feel like that's a big part of it. Like, he ends up helping. I think they just hire people who are, you know, down and out to be, to support with the tour. And he's just able to fund all their livelihoods. Sounds super dope to me. Sounds super dope. And obviously... Now, Brittany has two dads, <laughs> which is the real happy ending. So sweet. Charlie. And also, Farah, who is the, like, bartender at the Bridgeview and Richie's boss, um, she and Terry have been, like, having a, like, will-they-won't-they they moment for a while, and then Drea comes into play, and then they're a throuple. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, I forgot about that part. So much awesome representation. Seriously. That was really fun because they were just like having a little bit of side drama throughout the book. And then you're just like, oh. Yeah. Worked out great. (laughs) It's fun to have so many ladies who are like really cool, really their own people. And they're like on the side of the story, but... As we've already noted, this is a series, and so they're probably all highlighted in the, in the full series. But um, just everyone knows everything, because they're like, you, you're surrounded by a whole bunch of gossipy lesbians. So, yeah, we yeah. all know everything that's happening. <laughs> and we're here to support you through it. Uh-huh. Oh, seriously. It feels just like in her other book, Roller Girl, with the, yes. the roller derby team. I wondered, I don't think this is the case, but wasn't there a character named Bex in Roller Girl? I think so. Me too. And sh- and Nat ends up with a girl named Bex. So I sort of half wondered if they were the same character but they never bring up like roller derby or anything so yeah there's not much we don't know much about bex as far as i remember i think that might she might be the subject of the first book oh but i'm not positive i'm definitely gonna read that first book because i really loved nat's character yeah nat was great awesome but i also want to hear about this thruple i know i would definitely read a Third, I think there's. I think this is only the second book in this series, but maybe there will be more. 
Oh, really? Because I feel... Oh. Then it must be Nat and Beck's... Anyway, there's some sort of, like, passage at the end of the book, which I assumed was the third in the series, but maybe it's the first. It's the first one. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well. I hope she does And then there's more sex. Oh, yeah. Just to say. The sex scenes are very good, in my opinion. And also, we didn't really go into what these characters... I don't think we talked about what um, Jax and Richie look like, but they're both, like, very up my alley yeah um they're lean lean rocker boys boys. with eyeliner and tattoos everyone has tattoos in this yeah i really love queer romance i feel like that's where it's happening these days in my opinion it's where it's happening for me (laughs) yeah i just like the dudes in it way better and which is not to say I don't like mainstream romance because I definitely do, but I definitely don't have a innate attraction to like hockey players and stuff. Yeah, well, I have more of an attraction to hockey players because now that of I how see, many hockey players I've read now about now that their yeah. beauty has been pointed out to me. <laughs> yeah, but I still feel like if I saw like. Just muscly is not my style. Right. I really prefer... But I'm not going to turn it down, probably, if there's other good stuff going on. It's just hard to say. No. I don't have a very strong, like, body type piece. But I think if someone's, like, too much... Like, if someone is clearly at the gym for, like, four hours a day... I don't think I like them, but it's less even necessarily about their body and more about what it represents, which is being at the gym for four hours a day. Yeah. Which sounds like it well, wouldn't Well, and at with least me. with hockey players, I mean, they're supposed to be at the gym that much, so they true. have an excuse. <laughs> That's true. But I just like that in a lot of the queer romances I've read, there is just a much broader range of like body types i think then androgynous is definitely very hot to me in general me too yeah makes sense since we both identify as bisexual (laughs) (laughs) like all the things you you don't have to identify or have preference you just go with the flow yeah Know your Go heart. Go with your and your fluidity. genitals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, this was a great book. Love Vanessa North. I really have become a huge fan of hers. Yeah. For sure. And it's nice to read like a totally different, you know sometimes the authors are always writing about like a very similar world Mm -hmm. and like the roller derby world is totally different than this this world Mm -hmm. (laughs) well not totally different but but definitely substantially different Mm -hmm. so it was great i loved it it was a really great book and i'm glad you liked it as much as i did yeah thanks for finding it sure (laughs) (laughs) all right well, do we have anything else to say to the people? I don't. I don't. Me neither. Except to 
go forth and masturbate. <laughs> <laughs>